0: Good morning. I was hesitant to come up and speak after that. It was so beautiful. didn't want to ruin the moment. Um, good morning, church. Good morning to all who are watching. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to introduce a guest speaker who will be with us for a few weeks, uh, diving into the Beatitudes and teaching. But I want to take this opportunity. You give me a microphone, I'm going to use it. But I want to share some love with people that I visited with this week that we miss. And I talked to Eric this morning, he was there and apparently has your television up and I know you're watching this morning. So Stephanie and Carl, it was a blessing to see you this last week. We want you to know that we love you, that we miss you, and that we're praying for you and we'll see you again soon. And with that, um, I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Jeremiah Johnson. He will be speaking this morning. I'm not going to take any more time. I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, But we're uh, glad that Jeremiah is here to preach on the Beatitudes.
1: Well, good morning. morning. As uh, Scott mentioned, my name is Jeremiah Johnson. You can make whatever joke you would like to about that. I have heard it before. You will not be the first one. Uh, nor will you offend me. I'm long past those days. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Um, uh, I just want to introduce myself to you. I, I am a native of Michigan and have lived for the last 20 years in southwest Michigan. In fact, I just am wrapping up a 20-year ministry over in uh, our sister church in Bangor, Michigan, and uh, since I no longer have those obligations, I- I'm happy to be able to, to be here with you uh, today and for the next several weeks to share with you. I, um, If you if I seem familiar to you, you may have seen me around Michiana Christian Service Camp. I have been uh, working at Michiana longer than I have actually been living in the area since back in my college days, and I am part of the team that leads our high school weeks at michiana and i am for all intents and purposes an outsider to you today which means that i get to say whatever i want to and then run away (laughs) don't worry don't worry there are truths that have to be shared but we will speak the truth in love and thereby together we will all grow up into him who is the head even christ We are uh, into the beginning of 2021. Aren't you so glad that 2020 is over and done with? And things are magically 100% better now? We have, of course, just wrapped up a very hard year. And I am not sure that 2021 is off to a better start or not. We have a world and a nation And even in our own personal lives, certainly in my personal life, I have felt chaos and hardship, confusion and hatred, division and fear. I have been wrestling over the past 12 months. Have you? I think we all have, haven't we? In one way or another. In a world that is consumed, absolutely consumed by politics and entertainment, by fear and by privilege, in a world that is consumed with my rights or my wealth or a host of any other things, it is very, very easy for us to become discouraged, to become disheartened, to become divided to allow anger and hate and pride to run our lives. And the church needs a better way. In fact, the church should be an example of the better way to the world around us, shouldn't we? We need something that will anchor us in a world awash in chaos. We need something that will hold us steady Amidst the raging storm of culture, we need a better way. We need the Jesus way. Jesus calls us to seek first his kingdom. And in order to help us do that, he gives us a set of eight guiding principles, eight Centerposts of a new way of living that we refer to as the Beatitudes. They are the ways in which we connect to God and to each other and to Jesus and to his kingdom. And if 2021 is going to be a better year for the church and for me and for you, it's going to happen because we're living the Jesus way not because of, of any particular politician in any particular seat of government or, or because of any particular news story that is uplifting or scary. If we're going to have a year that glorifies God and in which we love him to the best of our ability and love our neighbor as ourselves, if we're going to have a year that's filled with joy and filled with blessing, if we're going to have a year and a life that is filled with peace and kindness, Mercy and grace, it's going to happen because we live the Jesus way. It will only happen because we live the Jesus way. And that way is outlined for us in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you've got your Bible, feel free to open up to Matthew chapter 5 because that's where we're going to start today, although we are going to bounce around the Scriptures quite a bit, so feel free to either follow along in your Bible or up on the screen. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with these these beatitudes, we call them. Matthew has introduced Jesus to us in the opening chapters as sort of a a new Moses, born in a time of oppression for his people, uh, secreted away from a, a king that wants to kill him, coming through his baptism in the Jordan as Moses took the people of God through the Red Sea and And then out into the wilderness for 40 days as Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. He comes back from that and and he sits on a hillside in Matthew chapter 5 as Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he begins to deliver God's word to the people as Moses delivered the law. And so we have these beatitudes, these eight sayings of Jesus that are at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 that that are sort of a a, kind of a new Ten Commandments for us. Except they aren't so much commandments as they are central tenets for how we live our life. And each one of them says something particular to us about how we live the Jesus way. Each one of them instructs us in some way to live closer aligned with Jesus. To walk more in step with Jesus. And if we will begin to, to live out these beatitudes, which, by the way, are not attitudes we are to be, and that for a long time growing up, I thought that's what beatitude meant. It's really, it's from the Latin word for blessing or bless. That's where we get that word. But if we were to begin to live these beatitudes, we would find that we are living in step with Jesus and that our lives would be filled up with the things that he has to provide for us. And that in the midst of division and discouragement and disheartenment, we would be able to live with joy and peace and grace and kindness. And so we want to explore these beatitudes, these blessings that Jesus gives, these, these eight pillars of the Christian life over the next few weeks to see what they have to say to us about living the Jesus way. And they all hinge on the first one. Everything that comes after over the next several weeks will build on this beatitude that we find today in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. So if you've got your Bible, whether it's a, a paper Bible or a digital Bible, it doesn't matter to me, but, but follow along, please, there or on the screen while we read the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, follow along while I read. Blessed, Jesus says, are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A short sentence, certainly, but one upon which everything that Jesus says after hinges. And so I want to examine this word of Jesus, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want to examine its three different parts. The three things that are part of this statement of Jesus that we need to wrap our minds around. And the first is this, that Jesus begins this beatitude and each of the following beatitudes with the word blessed. Or perhaps in your translation, if you have a modern English translation, you might see the word happy. Whether or not your translation says blessed or happy, Jesus comes to us and says blessed are, and we need to understand what blessing is. We may have all sorts of ideas about what that word means. It's certainly a part of our culture. The last time I was in Hobby Lobby, I think about every third item had the word blessed on it. What does this blessed mean? Is it is it about wealth? Is it about good things? Is it about prosperity? Is it about personal happiness? Is it about an ease of life? Is it about the accumulation of stuff? Is it about having a, a, a house that is warm and a car that drives and a job that provides? Is it about my family, my friends, my relationships? Does blessing only apply to to this country, and to our way of life here. Many people think those things about the word blessing, but Jesus means something radically different. When Jesus says the word blessed, he's talking not about the accumulation of stuff, or any particular place or way of living, he is talking about a relationship with God. He is saying to us when he says, blessed are you, he is saying to us that the Jesus way brings us into relationship with God. The Jesus way brings us into relationship with God. When this word blessed is used by Jesus and the rest of the New Testament authors, by the way, It is almost always and exclusively used to talk about the relationship one has or does not have with the Father. Blessing is not based in things or comforts, but blessing is based in a divine state of joy. Because of a nearness to God that is not dependent upon worldly situations or material possessions. Let me share that with you again because it will be important to us for the next several weeks. That blessing is a state of divine joy based on a nearness to God, not dependent on worldly situations or material possessions. Now some of us think that we are blessed when we get our way, when our side is winning, when our guy is in power, when our paychecks go up, when our, 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 We've learned, because of the culture in which we live, to think of blessing as something very self-focused, but when Jesus says, blessed are you, he's talking about a relationship that is God-focused. Here is Jesus' understanding of blessing from his own mouth. Later in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 34, Jesus says this in the midst of telling a story, a parable. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are, what? Blessed. Blessed by my father to do what? Take your inheritance, the kingdom promised for you since the creation of the world. For Jesus' blessing is equated with a relationship with God in his kingdom. For Jesus, blessing is about receiving the inheritance that God has promised because we are in relationship with him as his children. When Jesus says, blessed are you, he may as well be saying, be full of joy because you are near to God. So we go back to Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. This says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus may as well be saying to us, be joyful because you are near to God when you are poor in spirit. That might seem a little strange to you, to have the word joy and the word poor in the same sentence. After all, that is not usually a joyful thing to to look at the bank statement and see it very low or the credit card statement and see it very high uh, that doesn 't usually fill me with with oodles and oodles of happiness, but Jesus says, "Blessed are you, be full of joy because you are near to God when you are poor in spirit. Well, what does it mean to be poor?" in spirit. At the very least, to be poor in spirit means that I have to admit that I cannot do this on my own. The Jesus way of living calls us to admit our emptiness and our inadequacies. The Jesus way of living calls us to admit our emptiness and our inadequacies. Those who are poor in spirit understand That without God, I am empty. Without God, I am inadequate to the tasks before me, including the task of simply living. Those who are poor in spirit are willing to admit, I cannot do this on my own. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I am not powerful enough. I am not wealthy enough. I am not great enough. I am need God and honestly that is hard for us oh oh, don't get me wrong we're Christians so we're good at saying we need God but it's hard for us to actually live that truth in our daily lives for the most part we say we need God when we're here And then the rest of the time, we're like, oh, don't worry about it. I got it. I got it. I've taken care of it. But the poor in spirit know that they need God day in and day out. Our society does not work like that. Our society teaches us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But being poor in spirit means that I admit I cannot do that. I am dependent on someone or something else to meet my most basic needs. We need God. Blessed are you, Jesus says. In a state of joy brought on by closeness to God are you. When you are willing to admit you need God. The Apostle Paul talks to us about our neediness. And if anybody in human history could probably get away with saying that they were good enough, it might have been Paul. I mean, after all, he started who knows how many churches, survived at least two stonings and a shipwreck, And really kind of turned the known world upside down in the first century. And yet here's what Paul says about his and our neediness in the book of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, Paul says this, and we actually have sung a line from this verse in our worship this morning. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And a few chapters later, in chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he says this, But he, God, said to me, Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses." so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul freely admits, I am weak. I am a jar of clay, an earthen vessel, empty of any power except what God chooses to put there. Paul will be the first to admit on virtually any page of his letters that he is by himself not good enough. In fact, he will go so far as to call himself the chief, the head of all sinners. Paul is poor in spirit. He admits that he needs God, that he cannot do things on his own. And we must learn to do the same. And it's so hard for us. It's so hard for us because we have cozied up to a world and a culture that has convinced us that we can have it all, do it all, know it all. That we need nothing. So long as our side has political power. So long as I am personally entertained and my 401k is in a healthy place we have cozied up to a world that peddles conspiracy as truth and that's satanic we have cozied up to a world that is full of 24 7 opinion masquerading as news we have cozied up to a world that divides us from them We have cozied up to a world and a culture that is based in knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am right. But Jesus didn't say, blessed are you when you know that you're right. Did he? Jesus said, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. When you know that you're not enough. When you know that that you need someone or something else. Blessed are you when you acknowledge that you are weak. Blessed are you when you see yourself as a jar of clay waiting to be filled. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. James, the brother of Jesus, in his book warns us away From the worldly way of thinking and toward being poor in spirit, James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10, read like this. He says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity toward God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says, without reason, that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn. And wail, change your laughter into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. That got really dark right before the end, didn't it? Change your mourning into, or your laughter into mourning, and your joy into gloom. <laughs> Ease up, James. But James is calling us to simply admit we are poor, impoverished people. to admit that, that we need God to lift us up because we cannot do it for ourselves. To be poor in spirit is to be humble enough to admit that I cannot do it all, I cannot know it all, I cannot have it all. To be poor in spirit is to be humble enough to know that we need Jesus and there there we find blessing. Blessed are you When you are poor in spirit, what blessing, Jesus? What blessing are you talking about? The blessing of the kingdom. That's how Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 ends, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Jesus way leads us to find our fulfillment in God's kingdom. The Jesus way leads us to find our fulfillment in God's kingdom. Jesus is essentially saying to us, stop chasing the things of the world. In his day, he would be saying to the crowd listening to him, stop chasing the things the Sadducees say you have to chase. Stop chasing the things that the Pharisees say you have to chase. Today, Jesus might say, stop chasing the things that the Republicans and the Democrats say that you have to chase. Stop chasing the things that the entertainment media and the news media say that you have to chase. And chase after the kingdom things instead, because there is no blessing in those other places. We are to seek the kingdom of God, and it And it alone fulfills our deepest needs. Back in Matthew, in the very next chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this as part of his sermon on the mount. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first what his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be given to you as well the kingdom the kingdom i cannot attain it on my own i must become poor in spirit i must admit to god i am far away without your help i am not even close without your son I am nowhere near without your spirit. I'm a search for the kingdom and find my fulfillment there. Not in any kingdom of this world, not in the kingdom the way that I wish it were, but in God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Jesus teaches us to pray. So Father, thy kingdom come in me, in us, right now, This very moment. For the kingdom is not a far off thing. The kingdom is not a someday thing when we are done with this world. Instead, the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now invading this world through the people of God who will recognize that they are poor in spirit and draw near to the Father through the Son and receive his blessing. There's a telling story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. This brief story goes like this. Once, upon being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in the midst of this world already. It is being lived out in the lives of people who will admit they are poor in spirit. Are you being ground down by the world and by what's going on? Are you losing hope? Are you finding it hard to love? Finding it hard to forgive? Are you in a place of division, disheartenment, discouragement? Reorient your life on the Jesus way, beginning by learning to be poor in spirit, humble, dependent upon God uh, before i 'm done this morning, I would like to to give you some action steps we 're going to call them. I, I like to try to be practical as well as theological when I preach, so so At the end of most of my sermons, I try to give people uh, something they can read or something they can pray or something they can do throughout the week ahead. And since this is my first week with you, I'm going to ease you in by giving you all three. Here they are. This week, in order to wrap our minds more around what it means to be poor in spirit, I'd like to invite you to read two things daily with me. Would you commit with me this week to reading Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 through 10 and Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11? Every day this week. Matthew chapter 5 verses 3 through 10, those are the Beatitudes that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. I just want you to get yourself familiar with them. But but Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11, this is what we know commonly as the Christ hymn. It is a beautiful, beautiful poem that talks about Christ being willing to empty himself and become humble. It is a gorgeous picture. It is a stirring reminder. It is a challenging piece of literature about what it looks like to be poor in spirit using the example of our Lord himself. So I want to invite you to read those two things with me this week. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10, and Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And then I'd like to invite you to pray with me this week as well. Would you join me in prayer and ask God to teach you to be poor in spirit? Would you make that your prayer this week? I know that there are other things that you're praying for, things for your own life, things for your friends, things for your family, things for the nation. But would you pray this as well, that God would teach you to be poor in spirit? By the way, if you don't think you need to pray that, you're wrong, and this sermon was for you. Just saying. So would you pray with me this week and ask God to teach you to be poor in spirit? And then as a third action step, something to do together this week. Simply seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first. What I mean by that is, how about we look for ways to get the worldly stuff out of center position in our lives? Maybe, maybe not so much news this week. Maybe not so much Twitter and Facebook this week. Maybe not so much anger, division, and fear this week. And instead, we'll put the things of God in center stage. Read Matthew chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 2. Pray that God would teach you how to be poor in spirit and seek the kingdom. Simple, right? But maybe not all that easy. We live in a divisive time, in an uncertain time, in a tumultuous time. We live in a time where people are angry and they're lost and they're hurt and they're fearful. We live in the midst of global, national, and often personal chaos. And you know what? We always have. And until Jesus comes, we always will. That's why Jesus calls us to learn to live his way. Because it's not going to get better on its own. With the changing of the calendar page, or a new person in power, or the rollout of a vaccine, or a raise at work, or any other such thing, it's going to get better when we learn to walk with Jesus. It's going to get better when we learn to say, I am poor and impoverished in spirit. I cannot do this by myself. Jesus, I need you. Because in his way, there is peace and hope and mercy and grace and gentleness and joy. In the Jesus way, there is blessing. In the Jesus way and in his way alone lies relationship with God. So may we live the Jesus way. Learning to be poor in spirit. It will definitely set us apart from the world around us. It will help us navigate our way through this world. And hopefully, hopefully as we admit our poverty, hopefully as we say, Lord, I need you, other people will see. They will see us live the Jesus way and say, that's a better way. I want to live like that. They too will come to admit that they are poor in spirit and begin to walk in the Jesus way. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for Jesus and for his word to us. We thank you for the blessing that is ours, this blessing of unmitigated, unparalleled, unstealable joy based not in anything of this world, but based simply in relationship with you, this divine joy that is ours. Not because of anything we have done, but because of what you have done through your Son and your Spirit. So, Father, we come and we admit that we are poor in spirit, that we need you, that we need you. Father, come and be with us. And as we admit that we need you, help us to walk in the Jesus way and be filled up with your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we all pray together.